Listener Production. Gretchen Rubin is one of today's most influential and thought-provoking observers of happiness and human nature. Gretchen says there's no one-size-fits-all solution for becoming happier, healthier, more productive or more creative. When we know ourselves and what works for us, we can change our habits and our lives. What follows is a conversation about choosing love in each moment, being your authentic self and how you can have it all but still not be happy. You know, things little and big can all contribute to our happiness, but we have to have that moment where we step back and say, okay, what would make me happier? And then how would I actually translate that into action? I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is A Life of Greatness. Working as a podcast and radio producer, I have been fortunate enough to cross paths with many intriguing people who have had a profound impact on me. In this series, I share stories and experiences from the people who have brought inspiration to my life and hopefully yours too. Gretchen Rubin was raised in Kansas City and now lives in New York with her husband and two daughters. She has a podcast and is the author of many books, including the blockbuster New York Times bestsellers, The Happiness Project, Better Than Before, and most recently, Out of Order, Inner Calm, which have sold over three and a half million copies worldwide. So Gretchen, what was going on in your life that led you to create The Happiness Project? Where did that all begin? Well, you know, uh, it was a very inconspicuous moment of my life. Uh, I was stuck on a crowded city bus in the pouring rain, and I thought, what do I want from life anyway? And I thought, I want to be happy. And I realized I didn't spend any time thinking about whether I was happy or how I could be happier. And I thought, I should do a happiness project. And I ran out the next day to the library and got a giant stack of books about happiness, you know, everything from ancient philosophy to contemporary science and pop culture and novels and memoirs to try to figure out like, what would you do to be happier? Can you make yourself happier? And I was pretty happy to start with, you know, I was not starting from a place of deep despair, but it seemed to me that there, I could be happier. And I, and I, I didn't want to keep taking my life for granted. And, uh, and so I decided to do a happiness project. Why did you feel that you could be happier? What was happening in your life at that moment? And what was that pinnacle moment on the bus? Well, it wasn't a pinnacle moment. It was an ordinary moment. And, you know, it's funny, all around the world, most people say they're either pretty happy or very happy. Most people are pretty happy. Um, you know, and I was pretty happy. I had I had a happy marriage. I had two healthy daughters. I was working as a writer. I live in New York City, which is one of my favorite places. So, you know, I wasn't like a person who was like, like searching and aching for happiness. But what I saw is that, you know, there's a lot of low hanging fruit. The minute I started just even asking myself the question, I was like, you know what? I could do more to deepen my relationships with other people. I could do more to have more fun. I could behave myself better. You know, I'm not always living up to my, my ideal self. And as soon as I started just even thinking about it, I began to see opportunities. And I think that's true for most people. I think most of us have, and I think I still have, even after thinking about it for more than a decade, you know, when I put my mind to it, I start seeing, well, you know what? I would be happier if I got more sleep and I would be happier if I quit sugar and I would be happier if I got rid of all this junk and all these clothes that I never wear. And I had more room in my space and less decision fatigue when I got dressed in the morning. Um, you know, things little and big can all contribute to our happiness, but we have to have that moment where we step back and say, okay, 
what would make me happier? And then how would I actually translate that into action? You obviously went on to create the Happiness Project, which, you know, was received unbelievably by millions of people around the world. And you talk about 12 personal commandments. Can you go through some of them? Ah, Um, Well, the most, the biggest personal commandment, the most important one is the first commandment, which is to be Gretchen. Um, And everybody has to substitute their own name. Um, But this is the idea that we can build a happy life only on the foundation of our own nature, our own values, our own interests, our own temperament. And I realized that the more I really had a life that reflected what was true about me, not what I wish were true, some kind of fantasy self or what other people expected of me or what I assumed is true. You know, everybody likes wine. Everybody likes shopping. Everybody likes sports. Everybody likes games. It's like, I don't really like those things. But sometimes you don't even realize um, Mm. because you're like, of course, everybody likes this. It's like, no, they don't. So I think be Gretchen or, you know, be whoever we are. It seems like it'd be the easiest thing in the world because you just hang out with yourself all day long. But it's actually, um, it's actually, I think, one of the great challenges of our lives. I totally agree with you. And I think that is such an important thing because when you do embrace who you are, you just see people that, you know, coming to you because you're not trying to be anything but yourself. You talk about letting it go. What does that entail? Well, let it go is just don't hold grudges. Don't get preoccupied with small things. Uh, You know, just have a sense of proportion, have a sense of perspective, uh, have a sense of humor, and just be willing to let things go. There's a great line by the novelist Flannery O'Connor where she says that um, we should try to find explanations in charity, meaning instead of saying like, oh my gosh, this person's such a big jerk, that's why they're using their cell phone in the movie theater. Maybe you could say, well, maybe this person uh, is taking a break from being at the hospital and you know, this is just their two hours to try to get a mental break but they need to check their phone because if they get an update, they need to rush back to someone's side. Just um, cut them some slack and let it go. And tell me, obviously you have a list of 12 of these. What are your other favorites that you think people could really live by? Well, one that I thought was very idiosyncratic to me and no one else would understand, but it turns out many people understand this, is spend out. And spend out is like um, use things up. Uh, put things in circulation. Like I, I thought I was the only one who did this, but like I'll buy nice white t-shirts, but then I won't wear them. I'll keep wearing my old nasty t-shirts or I'll buy beautiful stationery, but then I won't use it. Or I'll buy a scented candle and then I'll save it. And, or I have a good idea and I think, Oh, I need to hold on to this. And it's like, no use. This is why you have these things. And funnily enough, a lot of times if we hold on to things, then we, we kind of waste them or like they even can become useless. Like I had a candle, which I saved for so long that the oil separated out of it. And then it, it like, it wasn't it, like I had to throw it away. I'm like, I, I saved it. And by saving it, I kind of destroyed it. Um, another one that I love is no calculation. Mm. And this really hit me because I am a bean counter. I am a scorekeeper. I am one of those people who's like, you took a nap yesterday. I get to take a nap today. I did this. You did that. Like, you know, I'm just, and that's just not a loving way to go through the world. It's like no calculation. And so I have to remind myself of that. Like, I'm just doing this because this is what I want to do. And I don't have to, um, like, keep some running tally in my head. That's a great one because I think a lot of people do that. You know, someone does something nice for you, so you do it for them and vice versa. And it really, it's not about that, is it? 
Right. Or you can get hung up on fairness. And I think, you know, you don't want things to be unfair um, if it's if it becomes like a problem or where someone's being taken advantage of. Definitely. But I think it's more if, if you if you want to be happier, which I did uh, and do, um, it's 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 a more generous frame of mind to be like, well, I'm just going to do this because I'm going to clean up the kitchen because I would ju- I just feel like cleaning up the kitchen. It's not about my turn, your turn. It's just like, I, you know, I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to, you know, and and, uh, or, you know, I'll say, oh, do you want me to pick any? I'm going to the drugstore. You want me to pick anything up for you? Like, I don't I can just do that because that's the kind of person that I want to be. Um, I don't have to keep score. And what I found is that when I stopped keeping score, other people behave with more generosity. Um, so a lot of times when we change, you know, the only person we can change is ourselves, which is kind of frustrating because often you think, well, I would be happier if other people behave properly. So it's not them. Um, but we can't do that. But what I found is that if I change, a relationship changes. If I change, the atmosphere of my surroundings change. So sometimes by changing myself, I actually do bring about a larger change. Why do you think that is? Because I think people respond to what it like what a major theme of my happiness project and to this day is just mm. to behave myself better. Um, I have a short temper and if I don't get enough sleep, if I get too hungry, if I'm too hot or too cold, if I feel rushed, if I'm falling behind in my work, I just get very snappy. And when I act short tempered and impatient and snarky, then people respond to me in that way. Whereas if I feel like I've, I'm not rushed and I have a sense of humor and I can take my time and I can listen, then people, you know, calm down. Like if I re- if something bad happens and I react very badly, then everybody else gets kind of worked up. You know, uh, one of my, one of my secrets of adulthood is the things that go wrong often make the best memories. And so like my husband did something very foolish with our radiator and it like immediately filled our entire house with steam like fog like london fog is and i come running in i'm like oh my gosh is something on fire like what's going on and of course all i wanted to say is like why in the world were you fussing with the radiator valve like but i was like i'm not going to help by overreacting and so i need to just get hold of myself and if i stay calm and kind of see the sense of humor about it everyone in my household is going to stay calm and that is going to help us deal with this in a more constructive way which fortunately is how it all turned out without too much heartache along the way. And tell me, you also talk about um, there's only love. That's a big one. This is a good one. I got this from a friend. So a friend of mine was applying for a job that she really wanted. And she was told the person you will be working for is very difficult. She is just well known to be a very difficult person. And we're just telling you this because if you want this position, it is you will be working for a difficult person. Don't come to us and complain because she's difficult and she's here to stay. And that is just the position. And so my, and my friend wanted to take the job, so she decided there is only love. And she was just like did not allow herself to have negative spot, thought spirals about this boss. She didn't join in any negative gossip with her coworkers. She just was constantly focused on the positive and the fact that she really, really wanted this job. And I said, well, how did that work out? And she said, it was great. She said, I had such a better relationship with that boss than anybody else. And they really all envied that I was able to maintain that 
because they don't got kind of dragged down in the fun of sort of complaining about her. And then you can get sort of stuck there. But I thought that was a really great way to think like you can just choose to train your attention on the positive. And that doesn't mean you're a Pollyanna that you don't recognize the negative. It's just like, okay, I'm just really going to focus on this. And and there's something about that phrase. There's only love where I just felt like that just stuck in my mind. And Gretchen, you were, you know, a high-flying lawyer and then you completely changed professions. Was that before you decided to make, you know, start the Happiness Project or was that after? It was well after. It's funny because the Happiness Project is the book that most people know about. They, they don't realize that I'm a classic example of somebody who worked very hard for 10 years to become an overnight yeah. sensation. Um, the Happiness Project was my fourth book. Um, so I, yes, I was clerking for Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor when I realized, wow, I really want to be a writer. Um, and I actually started writing what became my first book during my clerkship. And, um, and it took a while because I had to get an agent. Yeah, I had to write a proposal. Uh, I literally went to the bookstore and got a book called How to Write and Sell Your Nonfiction <laughs> Book Proposal and just Amazing. followed the Um And so I had written three books uh, before I got to the happy. It was actually finishing on my book called 40 Ways to Look at JFK. Um, I was finishing it up. And when you're finished, there's a stage in a book where basically the author's work is done and yet it hasn't hit the shelves yet. And it's sort of this weird holding period because um, you, you sort of all of a sudden are kind of don't have that much writing work to do for a while. And, uh, and that's when I, I, when I had the idea for the happiness project, it was just for me, I was just like, what can I do? And then I started my research and it was so fascinating. Like I was so fascinated. I just could not learn enough. I was just reading and thinking and writing about it, just taking notes about it. And finally I thought, wow, Maybe this is my next book. And then that's how I got started on it. It's funny, you know, because I think when you set yourself on a path that you're supposed to be on, it comes quite easily. I so agree with that. And I think it's very mysterious because people will be like, I'm like, how in the world did you do that? And they're like, it's not that hard. But as a lawyer and then writing books, how did you find time to do anything else and stay happy? Um, well, you know, writing books makes me very happy. Like doing research writing. Um, you know, there are professions, certainly writing for some people and, and many professions, I think more professions than we recognize often, there is an element of compulsion to it. Um, where a person is like, I kind of have to do this and I would do it for free and I'll do it even if it's really inconvenient and I sort of can't stop. And in a way it's just a very joyful feeling. And like, you just know that you're on track. On the other hand, it is sort of like a feeling of not totally being in control. It's kind of like, I always think of, you know, in Star Wars, when the Death Star like grabs onto the, the ship and is pulling it toward it. And you're like, okay, we just got to take our hands off the controls because this is happening. That's kind of how it felt with me. Once I had my idea for my first book, I'm like, okay, this, this is going to happen. Whether anybody buys it or reads it or, or anything, I'm like, I'm going to write this book. My new book, Outer Order and Her Call, was sort of the same thing. I was like, oh, I just love these ideas. I want to start keeping a list. And oh, then I want to turn them into something. And now I have to figure out what my philosophy is. And it just grew and grew and grew. And finally, I'm like, I'm like oh my gosh, I think I should turn this into an actual book. What is that about? It's about, you know, one of the things, one of my secrets of adulthood is that for most people, not everyone, but for most people, outer order contributes to inner calm and a sense of kind of focus and uh, energy. And this has always been curious to me in my study of happiness, because we can all agree that in the context of a happy life, something like a crowded coat closet or a messy desk is trivial. 
And yet over and over, people, like I feel this and other people feel this, you get like a disproportionate happiness boost from something like cleaning out your coat closet. Yes. And people That's say, so like, true. say like, I, I finally got control of my stuff and now I feel like I, I've got control of my life. And I, and it's like, it's, it's not, it's obviously an illusion, but it's a very helpful illusion. And it's just something that people, you know, uh, somebody, a friend of mine said, I finally cleaned up my fridge and now I know I can switch careers. And I, 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 I knew exactly how that felt. It, it, it's just like, there's a buzz to it. There's an emotional charge to it. That seems very disproportionate to me, kind of inexplicable. So I just, I just started thinking about that and kind of taking notes and thinking about, well, if you do want to create it or what are sort of the little rules that you can follow? What are the little tips? Like one of the tips that I found for myself is um, three strikes, you're out, which is if I've thought about something three times, like, should I keep this or should I give this away or should I throw this away? By the third time, it's like, okay, yeah, get rid of that. Because if you're actually like, if you actually use something or you like something, you don't constantly debate whether or not to get rid of it. I am debating whether or not to get rid of it. I should just go ahead. I'm not, I'm not using that thing. I should just go ahead and give it away or toss it. And I constantly try to, I beg my friends to let me come over and help them clear clutter because it's like a contact high for me. I love doing it. And so I observe them and how they talk and what they do and and how they, what challenges they face and how to talk people through it. What do you think are the big challenges that people face? Well, one of them I think is emotions. Um, We really do invest our possessions with a lot of emotions um, and they remind us of the people and places and activities we love and we use our, our, our possessions to project our identity. So sometimes you get into issues where like I'm like, I'm kind of caught up in a false identity. Like I was talking to a guy who said, Oh, I I really wanted everybody to think that to see that I really love film. So he had this huge collection of like DVDs and books about film, but he, he didn't actually watch that much film and he didn't actually read these books. And so it's like a, it's a fantasy identity. So that's get rid of that. Or, um, you know, people have things where like every piece of paper that my child brings home from school feels important. And it's like, okay, well, you need to respect the emotion because these are important kind of artifacts, but how do you manage it? Because having four boxes of, you know, a finger painted painting in blue, a finger painted painting in yellow, a finger painted painting in pink. I mean, it's like, that's not fun for anyone. So how do you manage it? Another big challenge is just people who are so busy. They're like, it's easier to keep up than to catch up. And if people fall behind, like I was talking to a woman where she had a baby moved and started a new job within like a year. And she just never, like never dug out. Like, and then she was so busy that it just, the piles kept growing and growing and she could never take a breath. And she kept thinking like, I need to take the weekend and deal with this. But then when the weekend came, she was so exhausted. She's like, I'm either doing something or I just want to lie there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or I want to do something fun. And so for her, it was like, well, what are the little things that you can do? Just the teeny little things you could do is just part of your ordinary day, which there are many that over time would get you there. And then once you've caught up, it's much easier to keep up. If you do a little bit consistently, you can get a lot done faster than you think. What is it about, you know, decluttering and stuff? Why do we get that feeling afterwards of, oh, wow, like I feel so much lighter and, you know, my mood has changed so dramatically. I think for some people, it's really important that their surroundings feel like a sanctuary and that they feel like, okay, if I'm in my house, I feel like I should be racing around putting everything away. So I'm either racing around or I'm sitting there 
feeling un, un, unrelaxed because I just feel like I'm just, all this is pressing on me. And so then if you, if you create outer order, then you do have that sense of kind of uh, renewal and sanctuary. And like your house is this place of, of, of rest. That's amazing. And it makes complete sense. Um, you have this beautiful video that you did years ago, Gretchen, that absolutely brought me to tears. It's called The Years Are Short. How did that come about? You know, of everything that I have ever written in my whole life, I think that little one minute video is the thing that has resonated most with people. Um, that is the story of me taking my daughter on the bus. My daughter is now like a very big girl. Um, and, uh, and so it's more true for me than ever before, but, um, it really was about the daily life and realizing that I wasn't realizing that, uh, my actual life was happening. You know, the thing I was thinking that certain, like taking my daughter to school in the morning was sort of a chore to be gotten through instead of realizing, well, this is actually an extremely important element of my life as a mother with a little child that had to be walked hand in hand to the bus stop every day. And now she's very big and I, I, she can go in the bus by herself. So the days are long, but the years are short because sometimes as a parent or sometimes in life, like getting from morning to night feels interminable, but then the year passes in a flash. So I think it's just a good reminder of, uh, to try to really appreciate every stage of life. It's so true. And I think that does resonate you know, with so many people, and especially if you are a parent, it is those little moments, they are so precious because they don't last forever. I really, I do discipline myself to try to remember that and also to do things. Uh, like one thing I do with my daughters, because they're older now, is uh, I try to have a weekly adventure where I spend time, like my older daughter's in college, but my younger daughter is in, is in middle school. And I really try to have a we call it an adventure and it's like for a couple of hours after school one day, like we usually we just go to a museum or we go do some like little thing like that together so that I know that I'm going to have time where it's just the two of us and I can really focus on her and we'll do, we'll have a little experience together. And, um, because I've been on book tour for my book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, I haven't been able to do it for, for weeks because I just have been gone. I've been traveling or when I've been back, I haven't been able to do it. And I was just thinking to myself today, like, I really miss that. And I just have to make sure that the minute that I'm back, we pick it up again because it's really, really important. And sometimes, even though something's very important, it falls off the calendar or it falls out of our vision. And uh, I think one of the things to do is to really remember, like, what are the building blocks of my life? What, what are the things that make me happy? And just make sure they don't get shoved aside. Um, so that's one thing I want to remind myself of. With all the research that you've done and all the amazing books that you've written, what do you think are the key things that do make people happier? Well, you know, if you said, what is the key to happiness? I think you could answer that in two ways, depending on how you approach the question. One is, I think you could say relationships. Um, ancient philosophers and contemporary scientists agree that to be happy, we need enduring intimate bonds. We need to feel like we belong. Uh, we need to be able to get support and just as important for happiness to give support. Um, we need to feel like we can find, can find an important secret. Um, and so anything that deepens a relationship or broadens a relationship is something that is likely to make you happier. That's a good way to use your time, energy, or money. 
is on something that's going to make, if you're like, should I join a book group? It's like, yes, you should join a book group because whether or not you ever read the book, you'll hang out with these people once a month, you will build friendships and that will make you happier. Or you could say the key to a happy life is self-knowledge because as we were talking about before, we can really build a happy life only on what is true about us. And that really requires that we know what is true about us. What do we value? What kind of person are we? How do we set things up in a way that's right for us? I mean, just to take the most obvious example, I think many people would agree that a very important part of a happy life is just to exercise. You know, to get regular exercise, it's like it improves your mood, it increases your immune function, it lives, you live longer, you're going to be healthier, you're going to have less pain, all, so many better mental function, all these things. So yes, everybody agrees, yes, we should exercise. And then people will say, well, the best way to exercise is first thing in the morning. You should get up and exercise before work. It's like, okay, but there are also, there's morning people and night people. Mm. That's a real thing. That's genetically determined and a function of age. And if you're a true night person, the idea that you're going to get up and exercise before work, that's not going to work for you. You could probably barely get to work on time as it is. The idea that you're going to get up and run two and a half miles. No, you're not. Not because you're lazy, not because it's not a good idea on paper. It's just that that's not what's true for you. What's true for you is you're going to do a much better job if you do something later in the day like that because you're at your most energetic and creative and productive and energy, you know, later in the day. So don't do what people tell you is the right thing to do. Do what's right for you. And for you, if you exercised at lunchtime or maybe in the afternoon, you could stick to it far better. And so you're achieving that aim, which is exercise, which is an important aspect of happiness. You're achieving that aim, but in the way that is right for you. When we set things up in the way that's right for us, it's much easier to sustain it. Um, but a lot of times people, we try to jam ourselves into someone else's model of what you should do. I'm like, there's no magic one-size-fits-all solutions to this stuff. It's like, we can all achieve our aims, but we might take very different routes to get there. Do you look back at your life with any regrets? Sure. I mean, I think regret is a good thing. I mean, one of the kind of misperceptions about uh, like a happiness project is that the goal is to be totally happy 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I don't think that's realistic and I don't even think it would be a good life um, because sometimes it's appropriate to feel sad or to feel guilty or to feel regret. And, and these are real or envious. And these are really helpful emotions because they help direct us because it's like, well, if I, if I envy you, then you have something that I would like for myself. Maybe I should focus on how to, if I envy you, your trips, maybe I need to have more travel in my life. Or if I feel regret because I didn't spend enough time with my older daughter, maybe now I can spend more time with my younger daughter. Um, if I feel guilty because I lost my temper and yelled, maybe that's going to help me to do the, like to go to bed earlier and to make sure that I uh, keep my temper better. So these negative emotions are actually have a very important role to play. And I think we don't want to ignore them or to pretend like they're not happening, but to really use them the way they were meant to be used, which is, um, kind of signposts pointing us to changes that we could make that would um, help us. What do you want your legacy to be? I would just think that I would like to think that I help people understand themselves better. What is a life of greatness to you? I think a person who achieves their aims for themselves, whatever those aims are. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. So fun to talk to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, then I'd love you to join my community on Instagram at Sarah Grimberg, where we post videos and behind-the-scenes footage of each recording. You can also join my private Facebook group, Live Life Greatly, 
where we discuss the content in this episode and many more, as well as give advice and tips on how to live a life of love and meaning. To purchase my ebook, Finding Greatness, head to sarahgrimberg.com. And if you love what you heard, then we'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and leave a five-star review. It will help us share this wisdom with others. A Life of Greatness's executive producer is me, Sarah Grimberg. Audio producers, Matt Nikolic and Darcy Thompson. Special thanks to Grant Tothill for bringing this dream to life. For more episodes, search a Life of Greatness podcast, download the new listener app now and listen for free. Listener.